0: All right, welcome everyone uh, to the podcast called An Apple A Day. Um, we're going to be joined by Anakesh Suresh this week. Say hello. Hello. Okay, run, run the... it's not BBC, it's... it's our own news, okay? Just... okay, just play the news. Okay, um, so this week we have a few interesting things on the show. Firstly from you, you'll learn about how to grow your own organs.
1: Oh my. Well, I'll be talking about new global tax rates. Fun. Um,
0: okay, yeah, we'll see how that goes um, for the economy of the world. And then next, unfortunately for me, some more COVID updates.
1: Oof, but can't be bad It's my climate change update.
0: Oh, two two most <laughs> common topics. But that's fine, we need, we need to know about them. We need to know about them.
1: Of course, of course. And uh, you know, I'm talking about some interesting new use in the field of quantum technology, specifically quantum computers.
0: I think I speak for most people when I say I don't really know much about quantum, so I'll be looking forward to that one as well. And uh, finally, I'm going to be talking about a disease, did you know, is making towards its way to younger people. <gasps> yeah, younger people like us, Kesh. Oh no. Yeah, ah. so I guess uh, we'll start off the show now with uh my bit about medicine so i'm going to talk about growing your own organs so some engineers from mit and manchester they've developed a new way to grow tiny replicas of the pancreas isn't that isn't that weird to just grow like mini organs What is the pancreas? I forgot the, the I pancre- forgot my oh, GCSE right. biology. Yeah, of course. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's just an organ that can secrete a lot of like enzymes and things that you need for digestion and, and, and things like that. Also for diabetes, um have you heard of insulin? Insulin, yes, I have heard of that. <laughs> yeah, so that is released by the pancreas. So the pancreas does a lot of stuff to do with food, blood glucose and, and, and things like that. So all
1: right gotcha, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, so, so what, what they found out is that they can use some cancer cells and make them like replicate very quickly, as cancer cells do tend to do. And uh, that's gonna allow them to create like little mini mini organs. It's not they're not the level where they can grow an entire pancreas. They're not quite there yet. But what growing these smaller versions will allow them to do is to test for like extra medicines, so things that we can't quite test on like animals and things we can't test on, on humans either. We can test on these cells. So actually, they've already found some new molecules that they can use um, to fight cancer in the pancreas, which is one of the most difficult types of cancer to be. But um, yeah, using using these tiny replicas, they've already found some new medicine.
1: Oh, you know, you know, it's got me thinking, growing the small pancreas is growing that. It's mm-hmm. got me thinking about, you know, when they talk about growing, like, uh, meat. You know, it's so like oh, yeah. animals yeah, yeah. that are on the farms. Makes you think of that as well. Yeah, yeah growing organs, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It, I, I I saw a video of it, um, and it's literally just like a test tube, and there's just just some funky cells growing in there.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah. okay.
0: Um, and the next bit of news from medicine is, uh, so Kesh, I'll, I'll ask just as a as a question actually. So you you are aware, right, that humans and and chimpanzees and apes are quite similar in terms of DNA?
1: Yeah, the great apes, yes, yes, I'm quite exactly. aware. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so have you ever wondered why we are different to them then, if if we have DNA so close to each other? I'll, I'll give you a statistic. Mm. It's ninety five point nine percent similar, both of our DNA. Oh my. Hmm.
1: I say. I don't know, maybe the environment we grew up in, but I don't know what you could point to, like, in the person, or the being itself, so that's the difference.
0: That is a good point, yeah. Usually, um, in humans, it's uh, a mix of of DNA, so genetics, and the environment. But in this case, there's some things called uh, coding DNA, and non-coding DNA. Do do you know what the difference is?
1: Whoa, no, I didn't know you could have DNA that was non-coding.
0: Yeah, I, I actually my textbooks did talk about this briefly but i sort of just ignored it to be honest this is the first time i <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the first time i really picked up on it so you have coding dna which is the, the bits in your dna um called genes and they're the bits that actually code for the things in you you know if you have blue eyes brown hair whatever that is that's going to be coding dna now you also have non-coding dna which is the bits that top and tail the the genes so they're the bits that are like um you need to start reading this section here and then you read the, the the gene that talks about blue eyes and then there'll be another section of non-coding DNA which says stop the gene here so they can be like stop start bits oh okay yeah so so when the nucleus splits and all that it, that's what tells the cell you know start here for this gene and stop here for this gene because otherwise if you have a massive long strand of trillions of of these bases how do you know when to start and stop each gene you know
1: Ah, huh. so that's, that's what makes us different? Like, that's, that's the thing?
0: That is that's the a... majority of the thing that makes us different, yeah. We actually have very different non-coding DNA which sort of cause side effects to the way we develop. Um, that's and, so strange, wow. Yeah, it was weird because um, scientists didn't really think about that before now. Um, they were sort of focusing on the coding DNA. So that statistic I gave you earlier, about 95.5%, that's similarity in the coding DNA.
1: So, oh, oh! Well, just the code. You know what the non-coding DNA is?
0: Non-coding DNA hasn't been analyzed fully enough for that yet, but they do do see a lot of differences, and uh, they can see some of the side effects that can be caused by that. You know, it's like a it's like a branching effect. You change this bit, and then this bit changes, and over the millions of years that we've developed, you know, it wasn't overnight. So over millions of years, it's meant that we're quite different to chimpanzees. Uh, I don't know if I that's the thing about gonna... thing
1: i guess that's put us a bit behind in our sort of genetic engineering field of these human enhancements because it just goes to show how much we don't know about it.
0: exactly yeah it did bring to light you know how much we we, we think we know it all you know but not not quite
1: not quite though no
0: <laughs> yeah um and uh now we're gonna move on to the news about covid um i'll be giving you updates every week about covid really until it stops being a thing so you you'll, you'll be up to date don't worry. So this week um england and we're talking about england specifically uh, england's hospital admissions are the highest they've been since february so not looking too good for hospitals again Thirty-nine thousand new cases reported uh, as of the Oof. day we're recording this um 165 deaths within 28 days of testing positive so um not not great news actually it, it is on the rise here in england uh, also, I'm just going to update you on Wales. So they've they've lifted travel restrictions, just as England did recently. So they confirmed that they'll follow England in removing all countries on the red list. But they were sure uh, did point out that that England might have been too too quick to do so, and uh, it looks like they Ooh. might be right because we are seeing an increase in, in in cases and hospital admissions. And also, we have Boris Johnson uh again uh he claims to have a plan b for the winter in the uk um just in case uh cases rise even more but he's saying that we'll try and keep that out of the way for as long as possible um and i'll just tell you really quickly what plan b involves so what he said is that the public will be told to work from home Uh, vaccine passports are to be uh, introduced and face coverings would be compulsory again so not Too major, but there's quite high costs in this for um leaving it too late. Could could mean some pretty negative uh things.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound too great. No, not not at the moment. I know you're not uh you're not a doctor officially, but do you speculate how long do you know this COVID situation? How long do you think it's gonna be uh, you know, I think that's affecting our lives. You know, yeah, you know what
0: I mean? yeah. It's it's a fair question, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have on their minds right now. At the start of the pandemic, obviously, everyone was saying, you know, two weeks, we'll be back, be back in school, and we'll uh, ever forget this happened, and here we are, two years later, still talking about COVID. So I think two years? Oh my god. Yeah, that's I know. It's, it's really been a while. Um, I think honestly, it's going to take another two years for everything to die down, minimum, because the way it's going, every time we go out of lockdown or out of like a certain restriction, the cases just rise immediately. So I think it's gonna take a year for, for people, like all the population to be fairly immune to it just by herd immunity, and then another year for the economy and etc to sell down. I think that, but that's just my perspective, obviously I don't know what's going on in government.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Boris could who, always who whip, knows? A, whip a dodgy
1: one out. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> very suspicious gentleman that man yeah
0: he he does have some interesting moments But
1: yeah you know, on to the uh political news Yep, countries across the world have agreed to a global tax rate around 130 so not all but not vast, all, vast right. majority uh maybe yeah. eu or one very stands out is ireland which is a bit a bit disappointing. They are one of the tax havens, so <laughs> it right. does make sense. Okay. So basically what this has done. Yeah. it set the corporate tax rate to a minimum of fifteen percent. Why this is important is businesses, what they do is they'll have their headquarters in a country where the tax rate is low. And then the way taxes are done is where the profits taxes are done on profits. Yeah. And yeah. by having your headquarters in a country, it sort of says all my profits are coming here. So you can put your headquarters in a low tax rate country, like Ireland for example, and then you have to pay less taxes overall. And that means the countries you do business in will not get the taxes from the business you've done there. So this global tax right. rate, this minimum threshold, uh, what it aims to do is decentrize. well you just can't lower your tax rate, so businesses will be decentivized in keeping their headquarters in certain places. And there's also provisions in here so that a quarter of the profits you make in a country where you do the business has to go... has to be taxed, essentially, there.
0: Right, okay, yeah. A quarter's quite a significant amount of money, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I mean quarter, sorry, a quarter of the taxes go there. So not a quarter of your profits. No, there's not twenty five percent tax right. on the profits. That does make
0: more sense. It's just
1: a quarter of the taxes will <laughs> yeah, go to that country. That would be quite yeah, devastating. Yeah, that um, would be.
0: 25 <laughs> do, do you think? Yeah. Uh, sorry, would this stop things like the the Panama Papers? Do you, you remember that stuff? Do you think this would help prevent <laughs> power, things like that? The power. What? Sorry. Panama. The um, the whole tax scandal thing, uh. About businesses being registered in countries with low tax rate, do you think that this will really make an
1: impact? Yeah, I think well, because you're just gonna be there's not gonna be this race to the bottom. If you don't have countries with low tax rate, what are you like? There's no reason to have your
0: country there, your headquarters there. Right. So that's the only reason, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice. So, I think this will be good. It's you know it's gonna be good for pretty much everyone. You know, especially developing countries a mm-hmm. bit of a race mm-hmm. to the bottom where they had to lower their tax rates to try and incentivize more business but in the end that's less money for the people but yeah and can and i move just add on um, to the... is, is, yeah, yeah.
0: sorry uh, real quick is, is england part of this deal or, or the uk yeah yeah so yeah, the uk okay. is part of this deal right so we'll see effects of that as well that's we'll good see, yeah
1: yeah 130 there was a few holdouts and the holdouts are mainly um the tax savings in question but if all the countries in the world you know, come together for this, you know, China. It, I found it really interesting. China and the US, you know, the backing for this.
0: Ah. They're, they're going to be under pressure. They're going to be under pressure. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, the world's eyes are on them. Exactly.
1: But, you know, onto the uh, climate change news. It is, uh, as you'd expect, not, uh, not a positive outlook. Oh, no. <laughs> so, essentially, the UN admissions report came out a few days ago. And it's just, we're not on track to reach our goals. We, we promised we'd keep the global temperatures on the one and a half degrees, like a rise this century. And on the, at the moment, it's on track to go to 2.7 degrees. I know, that's, uh, that's quite a lot. That is, that is a lot to make up. Yeah. So this report, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, no,
1: no. No, so this is like its 12th year of the report. And the form it looks at these pledges from all the countries, 120 countries to be so precise, mm-hmm. and they all made these promises, like what they'd do to cut their uh, costs, uh, cut their emissions by 2030. And it, it shows that when you add all of these together, that's, that their plans to cut to greenhouse gas emissions by 2030, or in 2030, is just around seven and a half percent. Compared to the previous budgets they made five years ago, that's that's abysmal. Yeah, seven like cr- less than ten percent of what they promised. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Greta's not impressed. Greta. Greta, uh, I sympathise. It's just oh, Yeah, I was going to read a
0: quote from from the uh, uh, the report, and it, it's called a, a thundering wake up call. That's a good headline, isn't it? And I think it really <laughs> is. It really is. 700%. Yeah,
1: and I mean, <sighs> including all of. You yeah, we've seen the fires in Australia, the rainforest. The rainforest, remember the rainforest was burning there, it happened yeah. before Covid.
0: Yeah, a lot of people forgot about that, that was a very, very big deal. Um, my cousins live in Australia and they were affected by it, you know, it's it's not like a, a small thing. Um, the effects are seen worldwide. I, I don't really know how Trump's blind to this, but we can't blame him anymore, so it's, it's all about Joe
1: now. <laughs> big
0: Joe. Big Joe. disappointing <laughs> me.
1: But yeah, and a bit more sad news to oh, do with no. it. Sorry Well, the fact this. that COVID, Covid is, um... It, it's interesting with Covid, because the government has become more involved in the economy, they've increased spending, and it's just a missed opportunity to pump more energy, uh, put, pump more money into the non-renewable industry. hmm They could uh, If they, uh... Let me find a statistic. Yeah. of recovery investments uh, is supporting renewables and the green economy. Uh, If more is done, if more could be done to invest in these industries, then it will help towards a greater global climate effort.
0: Yeah, um, I I, I saw a bit about about renewable energy actually um, from Ren, from the the Corridor channel, you you know, know Ren. And he was saying, you know, with with money going from the government to the right places, with the right incentives, a lot of things can happen. Um, There was originally incentive for fossil fuels and that happened pretty quickly, so it's just that governments aren't too willing at the moment to spend that money.
1: Exactly, money talks, you know. Exactly, money Money, does Money is power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a, But, uh, you know, move on to my news about the quantum computers. So, Chinese scientists have basically developed a new quantum computer, more powerful than the ones we've had before. So I'll briefly go over what a quantum computer is for the uninitiated. That, that would be so, quite useful. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> a normal computer is powered by electricity. A quantum computer... It's also powered by electricity, fair enough, but, uh... <laughs> the, the um, electrical computer, it works in 1s and zeros. Mm-hmm. So you'll have these switches that are either be on or off, and you'll have like millions and millions of these switches. And when you have like a million combinations of 1 and 0, you attach different meanings to that. Quantum computer works completely different. It uses quantum physics, and this gets even more complicated. Okay, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm following you so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even fully understand it myself. It's a very new field, mm-hmm. but the nature of quantum physics allows it allows something to be and not to be at the same time. That's the best way I can
0: put it. Okay, It can, We're they can to be a... and not. That that guy's yeah. cat territory now. Now like, is it is it poisoned or is it not? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and if you like, to best sum it up, there are an infinite number of numbers between 1 and 2, correct? Yes. Yeah, I get that. Because you could go 1.1, 1. 1.01, 1.0001. 1. 0001,
0: yeah.
1: And you just... You can't represent infinite amounts of numbers on a computer. Right, You because not limited one... to
0: those ones and zeros.
1: Exactly, but with right. quantum physics, you're using like real particles that can capture ranges. I see. And the implications of that, you can capture an infinite amount of numbers, and that has implications of what you can use for it. Okay. I just... Uh, just to give you a context yeah um, of the sort of processing power
0: yeah the yeah. fast
1: uh, it can solve uh, you know mathematical problems extremely quickly yeah so the f- one problem it solved uh, the fastest supercomputer at the moment would take 30 trillion years to solve the problem wow. whereas this qu- yeah quite a long time this quantum computer can solve it in one millisecond
0: wow okay. That's yeah. very, very quick. So what is that? Is um, that like... Is that like stupid. a new version? Like, what have these Chinese scientists done? Like, uh, made a new well,
1: version of it? Or So yeah, quantum computers is a new field, and the problem with it at the moment... It's like what we had with the original computers. They were extremely big, but you just didn't have a lot of processing power on them. Mm-hmm. You'd see, you know, old videos of them taking massive rooms. They've just made it more efficient. They're able to get more prot- photons into it, just what you're using these quantum computers. Right. <laughs> so that's what you're gonna see. This is just the beginning. It's right, gonna keep right. progressing.
0: Yeah. So I, I remember looking at videos, you know, from the, the 1980s and such, and there's like the massive rooms that take up the space of one computer, and then they speculate, <laughs> you know, in the future, you're your kids. There's yeah, there's a guy yeah. holding a, a baby like I think a me, lot of yeah. people have seen that on their YouTube uh, recommended, <laughs> but he's just holding his kid and he's like, you know, that guy in the future is probably going to have this in his pocket and, and he was right, we have phones that are so much more powerful than they used to be just 20 years ago
1: so much more powerful
0: so I'm hoping the same thing is going to happen with uh, these quantum computers and that would be a huge step, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen speculation like you know, 20, 30 years articles saying, "Oh, you know, every household have a quantum computer," or oh, with all this new thing stuff. It's the new thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we'll have to see
1: how that pans out, though.
0: Yeah, COVID might not <laughs> might not let that oh, happen. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> it or climate change. Talks about COVID, doesn't it? Before or climate uh... change? You know. Oh yes, that is true. Little. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, uh, an argument could be these these quantum computers. Do they take more more energy, more electricity?
1: i don't know but i'm gonna assume yes because uh, it'd be a safe bet to say yes it,
0: yeah because I, I can imagine that much power doesn't come out of of thin air so you know getting oh. energy for that might be a problem in the future <laughs> exactly well, well energy oh. is more of a problem that, at that point i think that yeah, wraps think up the about... uh
1: sorry yeah yeah that's for the new section right a lot of interesting stuff happening
0: yeah um we'll get back to you <laughs> next time with some more interesting news uh, both from Anakosha's side about politics and uh, computing, and from me will be medicine. Okay, um, we good to go to the next topic now. Of course. Okay, so I'm gonna do a cheeky little link here back to what I talked to to you before, and um, I was talking about the pancreas to you. Do oh, you remember yes, that? Yes. Do you remember that? Keshe? I do. Excellent, that's the first step done. Okay, so... so <laughs> <laughs> what's a good first step? So, yeah, no, no, it is. I was looking in my textbook. Um, as some of you might know, I have tests in January, uh, mocks for A-level. Forgot to mention, Ooh. actually, me and me Anikesh, we're in year 13, um, both looking to go to university next year. That's right. So I was revising in my textbook, Kesh, and uh, they talk uh-huh. about diabetes a lot, uh, about the pancreas, insulin, glucagon, fancy words like that. Um, and uh-huh. a little Oof. box on the side of one of the pages talked about the fact that um, there's two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. Do you know what I mean when I say that?
1: Ooh, well, I remember one is like, are you associated with people being obese? and No, one of them is people can't make insulin. Yes. And the other one is something else that I don't remember.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. so You So you got the first one right. You, you hit the, the nail on the head. So type 1 um, is where... The uh, body's immune system works against itself and it accidentally destroys the cells in the pancreas that produce the insulin so that's the bit where you just can't produce insulin it's it seems so so unlikely and and so frustrating that that would happen you know you you think the body is this complex watch-like mechanism and it just goes and destroys itself but anyway so we don't really know why type 1 occurs um all we know is that it it is genetic so um it can be traced down through lineage like that um so yeah so 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 to summarize type one is where you can't produce insulin and uh type two um like you also said is what's more associated with um obesity and and um physical inactivity and, and things like that so type two is where the insulin is produced but the cells that react to the insulin they stop reacting to it, you know, so they lose their responsiveness to to insulin. So, yeah, so the the factors that cause type 2, they're a bit more well known, there has been a bit more research into that. So uh, excess body weight, um, so obesity, physical inactivity, um, excessive overeating of refined carbohydrates, so lots and lots of sugar, things like that, Um, they are the sort of main factors that can cause type 2 and uh what i looked at was the fact that this this type 2 type 1 thing you you can't do much about type 1 um it's genetic it's it's not possible to do much right type 2 obviously with, with these factors that you can control a problem that that we're seeing in the 21st century is that these factors are no longer a thing that's sort of kept aside for the elderly you know you often think diabetes Oh, they must be a certain age that's generally a bit older yeah but now we're seeing the effects of, of what's happening with things like inactivity in children so these factors are slowly the, the range of ages that they affect it's getting closer and closer towards children so i'll, I'll hit you with some statistics here <laughs> it's ridiculous
1: that. ridiculous
0: <laughs> always um, yes, yes. always useful to use some statistics so 23 percent of children aged four to five um are obese or overweight uh, that's, that's quite
1: a lot. Wow, that is a I lot. I mean, you'd think it's bad, but you wouldn't think it's that bad.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's quite quiet in the media, actually. Um, I don't really know why, because
1: is this in the UK?
0: This is in the UK. This yes, twenty-three is... wow. percent in the UK. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure what what the stats look like for other countries, but um, I'm, I'm focusing on the UK for this. Um, and so that was when they're four to five, uh, and when they're ten to eleven, it's up to thirty-five percent so ridiculous. it just keeps increasing huh. yeah that's... so they're not even teenagers yeah it's just hard to
1: imagine really yeah yeah I uh,
0: mean... it's just very weird to see this happening you know I, I don't really know what the factors are it's quite easy for the um not to pin the blame on anyone but it's quite easy for the older generation to just say you know it's it's phones it's it's the new technology that's causing people to stay inside but these stats are horrendous you know there's clearly something else at work here and i think we need to find out what that is so
1: i mean it's not just you know inactivity it's also what you eat you know more fast food available uh, exactly straight to oven food it's just uh
0: yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and for those not in the loop i guess about the uk they are trying to do things you know like um stopping adverts for fast food um before 10 o'clock 10 o'clock at night um, in hope that um, most children would have gone to bed by then and uh, they only negatively influence adults, I guess, is is their is there outlook on that. But yeah, so um, I'll just talk about how it's changed over time um, in terms of obesity and diabetes. So 1975, right, long, long time ago, obesity was at 4% um, in, in, in children. Um, I'm recu- counting children as under 18s here. So 4% and uh, what we call the incidence rate, which is the number of people per 100,000 uh, in the population um, for diabetes was 1.7, so one around 1 to 2 people in 100,000 people had diabetes um, and was also obese So
1: that's like saying, uh, what, like Three people in Milton Keynes' has diabetes?
0: Yeah, uh, probably, yeah, 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 yeah three, 350,000 like here, so, but, yeah, good to keep it in context. yeah. So now I'll flip back to 2018, much more recent, and uh, do you know how much obesity might have increased by? <sighs> uh, an upsetting amount, I imagine. Yes, it, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly, it's, it's 12%. Well, so three times hmm. as much, yeah.
1: Wait, so you're telling me children? There's like thirty, thirty-five percent of children are obese, but no, overall in the population, it's twelve percent. Yes, yeah. Hmm.
0: But, um, it might even increase. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and the uh, rate of incidence again—it's gone from one point seven to ten point five. Ten. Hmm. A huge sorry. increase. <laughs> And, uh, yes. i'm looking at some graphs here and there's a very very clear link you know it's not just me that's picked up on this <laughs> um scientists have been researching this and they can see a clear trend be- between the the increase in obesity and the increase in diabetes for children um it's uh, called a precursor obesity for diabetes because it's it's a factor that means you know you should be worried about the risk that you might have of, of developing diabetes um so, like I said about the UK government talking about things like banning adverts and things, um, one of the things they're trying to do is reduce obesity because that will help the problem, um, at least in children, because as you get older the risk just does tend to increase, whether it's type 1 or 2, um, so the only thing they can reduce um, is the link between obesity and diabetes. So I'm just going to quote some, some um, facts, I guess, that the NHS oh. has put on their website to do with this um so teachers and parents are to encourage more physical activity for their children and should promote healthy eating more so quite generic things really but um then it, it kind of shows that it's they're not doing too much about it um they're just sort of stating general general facts so
1: yeah I mean <laughs> sometimes yeah, it's like with thought, issues like thought, this
0: you know yeah, yeah, issues like activity, this
1: you like I I like, you know, I like the government not to get into interfere too much, let people do what they want. sometimes with this, you just feel like you wish the government, with an iron fist, like just (laughs) gets at the top of this problem. Yeah, you know, become become authoritarian or whatever.
0: Exactly, it is really sad to see that it's kind of being left to its own to just sort of develop into a a problem where it might be too late at that point you know um it might become the norm which is tragic to think about but that's where it's heading um and some more things um that they've talked about is um that type 1 diabetes so just to clarify that was about type 2 um, and they're saying that type 1 um, is more hard to treat because obviously it's not linked to obesity um it's genetic Uh, mainly. Um, And the cells damaged, uh, like I talked about, the the cells are damaged in the body that produce the insulin. They can't regrow. So it's not like when you get a cut on your skin and you know, you you eat some food and within a week it's gone, you forget about it. Those cells do not regrow. So how do we fix that? Do you have any ideas, Kesh?
1: I thought this relates to the pancreas thing you told me.
0: Yeah, there you go. There's the link. It took a while to get <laughs> there, but that's the, the synoptic
1: link. link. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So, so these these cells, um, they're called stem cells, and they're a type of cell that can uh, develop into any other type of cell in the body. So they're like this um, special cell, and you want them to be a red blood cell. Okay, here you go, red blood cell. Boom. Obviously, it's not that easy. I can feel the the cringe in some scientists' <laughs> voice right now, but. Uh, <laughs> severely severely understating that that process but the uh, bottom line is we can try and make these stem cells into the the beta cells they're called the cells in the pancreas that produce the insulin Um, and the thing is we can't test that on humans yet you know it's quite experimental We, we can't do that to humans Um, And the problem is, we can't test them on animals either. I know people are against that, but it does happen. um, And they can't do it in this case because animals react differently to insulin. Um, So the solution was to use the little organoids, the mini pancreases that scientists at Manchester have developed to test these stem cells. And uh, the good news here is that they are working. So it's quite positive in terms of type one. It looks like we can use stem cells try and regrow the beta cells in the pancreas and um produce some more insulin for those affected
1: ah, that's amazing so i know we're getting a bit short of time but i have one question
0: of course no no don't worry about the time do you
1: think do you think with a doctor uh if they kidnapped the person and experimented on them and then got <laughs> the information would the uh, wider medical community use this information uh something they'd use or out of ethics would they just like burn it
0: that is a good question and uh it reminds me a bit of. I've just been watching *The Thick of It*. Um, as you know, the Keshe. Oh um, yes, yes. Keshe was the wonderful person that recommended that to me, and uh, for anyone else that's interested. in anything remotely to do with politics or the UK. Good watch. Um, so, on, Anyway, on, on that, um, they were talking about leaks in, in, in the government and about if it's ethical to use those leaks. Okay, fine, you shouldn't leak, but what happens when the media get that nice juicy leak about this politician doing this and that? So I, I can see what your question is and to be honest, I don't know the answer. We, I don't think we as the public we wouldn't know what information has been developed, I guess you could say, illegally mm-hmm. was we developed legally because in the end all we see is that tiny percentage stat on a website that says, you know, 67% cure rate or whatever. So I don't think from the public's eye we can really see, but I have a feeling that they're probably in in some less developed countries where regulations are a little more slack. I'm willing to bet there's mm-hmm. definitely some more dodgy stuff going on in those countries and the, uh, well, I mean, the ethics only- behind... <laughs> It would
1: be a bit more dodgy. I wouldn't wouldn't rule out Boris Johnson having a private dungeon underneath the house apartment (laughs) where he does tests on stem cells from babies to figure out how to de age himself. Let's
0: let's hope not, but um, he's a dodgy guy, you know?
1: Very dodgy. You (laughs) call him. Yeah, we'll we'll just keep him with that bit. uh... (laughs) So, uh,
0: just a. A uh, fact to finish off uh, my bit on is um, the way that we move these stem cells uh, into the pancreas. Um, we remove the nucleus, put the uh, cell with the nucleus out into the pancreas, and then put the nucleus back in. Uh, and that prevents a lot of issues with like uh, rejection and, and such. Um, and you know, Dolly the sheep.
1: Dolly the sheep, very the big, sheep fan, was big actually,
0: fan. Yeah, yeah. Dolly the sheep was actually cloned using the same technique. So it's all linking together you know the research is really compounding um and we're seeing the the benefits of doing all that research at the time we would have thought well, what's the point of cloning a sheep you know but
1: exactly big
0: big leaps right. type one <laughs> well, how... positive <laughs> how positive how artwork.
1: long until we clone humans how long I'm until close. we do that yeah no how long until we
0: start cloning people cloning people um <laughs> i'd imagine a long way away if ever um there's quite a lot of, yeah i'd say you know a lot of stigma i'd i'd say a lot of stigma would develop around that um the closer uh, we get to so that being a possibility uh government so- someone's to... gonna do, uh,
1: someone's gonna do it someone's gonna do Someone it Someone want it, to yes. start doing
0: it you're not gonna stop doing it no you're That's right view, it? you're right but i think it, in a developed country such as um england i think it's very <laughs> unlikely that would happen um just because of the, the connotations you know where, where do you draw the line You. Clone this person because they look good, or do you clone this person because they can produce this rare blood type? You know, where do you draw the line? Um, I'm sure there'll be some conversations about the rights of these people that will be cloned as well. You Ever think about that?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's the people, they're people, to so give them rights. Okay, but it does. You understand you know, really when this. you think about? Yeah, because I was thinking about a similar thing with AI. Mm. What if you put the human consciousness into a computer? You essentially have a person in mind and spirit, but you don't- not the body, they're a computer. Exactly. But like, I mean, do they get rights? Doesn't AI get advanced enough where making it do work is like slavery?
0: Exactly, yeah. That's that's what I was talking about. Where's where's the line between a clone for research and a clone that could just be used, you know? Blade, Blade Runner stuff. We're getting to Blade Runner territory here. Blade Runner 2049, Ooh, yeah. you know? I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard good it's things very good. about it. very good
1: yeah all right so you know my big big story title automation of jobs that is an interesting title it is very so you've probably heard a lot about this in the news but just for the uninitiated the automation is essentially where we replace jobs with technology it you know it reminds me of this case study i saw it was this duke or you know someone important they had this whole mansion and back in the 50s and 60s they had this whole accounting department for a uh, for just the financial stuff i think it was some sort of uh, royal family geezer <laughs> so okay. yeah back then 50s 60s the accounting department would be about 80 or 100 people but now with you know computers it's just gone down to a few people now
0: mm.
1: yeah i mean that's massive reduction
0: yeah i can see that yeah
1: so that's just happened with you know just like just spreadsheets and calculators really. That's not that huge automation that's happened there. Mm-hmm. But as the AI and computation becomes more sophisticated, it means more and more jobs are going to be able to done by machines at an efficient rate. Take for example, you're getting automated vehicles now. I think Tesla, they their new models of cars. I'm not very familiar with i'm up to date with cars but i know they're getting automated cars in certain routes
0: i would say yeah i'm kind of with the car scene i I'd, I'd like to say and yeah tesla are definitely making their way to um, fully autonomous cars
1: exactly yeah so it's not going to be too long we're certainly heading in the direction where we have automated trucks trucks you know we no longer need truck drivers to drive trucks you know we had the recent crisis with uh HGV, not enough HGV drivers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the UK, Yeah, uh, the issue with, you know, the supply, that kind of had an issue with the supply of the gas, not gonna be long before, well it might be long, but we're definitely gonna get to the point where truck drivers, you know, their job, they're not needed anymore, and you know, a, a substantial amount of people. In America, there's roughly 3 million truck drivers, Oof. that's about a percent of the population. That is know, quite, yeah.
0: quite a big amount, yeah. So, do you think so, all three you know, million of them would be replaced if, um, if these vehicles were to be automated?
1: Well, it is you know it's a bit more uh, complicated because, sure, truck drivers drive trucks, but they also do other stuff. They gotta make sure the cargo is in the hold, and once they get to the place, they talk to the person. There's some customer service happening there, mm-hmm. so it's not just a simple job of driving from A to B. Yeah. The driving process i think certainly could be or certainly will be automated and we're not there yet to automate the customer service aspect i think but i think we certainly will be and it will be a big a a big problem really
0: Mm, yeah i can imagine that's quite a lot of um that's like the livelihood for a lot of people you so
1: exactly and i mean it's first automation has first come into the manual labor market you know you have these massive machines that can (laughs) uh you know lifts really heavy stuff maybe uh or just you know cut equip cut stuff better all sorts of things in factories that replace lots of people but the automation is starting to move into you know your i think you'd call it blue color jobs you know jobs in the office place the workplace like accountancy as we talked earlier yeah so like another example right just to give you another example in the legal industry uh, a lot of lawyers they their time is split. It's not just go it's not going to court and being objection uh or sustained or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of administrative stuff that goes there. You know, they have to do a lot of uh filing and due diligence and all that stuff. There was a survey in America, about fifty percent of lawyers' time is spent on these procedures. That's
0: a lot yeah, of time. Yeah, quite a lot.
1: Exactly, yeah. And you know, as AI becomes uh, more sophisticated, you're just gonna be able to automate that. So that's half your time you don't have to spend on like that. Exactly. I that mean you... uh,
0: sorry, as a as a client, that would be quite good to see, you know, if of if if you're gonna pay a lawyer one pound, you're not gonna be looking at fifty P <laughs> being used up for just doing administrative stuff. You're gonna be looking at exactly. one pound being used to defend your case. That's gonna be quite um appealing, I'd say, to, to clients.
1: Exactly, exactly. But it's going to have the knock-on effect. If I can do... Uh, if I have half as, if I have twice as much time to do work, that means a worker is twice as productive. That means you only need half as many workers. Oh, That's the implication there's, there. There's the, the, the bombshell. <laughs> there's the bombshell, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it more efficient, but that means you need less people. Right. And I, I don't know about you, I don't think our population's gonna halve in the next ten or twenty years.
0: No, no, you're right. I, I, I don't quite see that happening.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, I think quite the opposite. <laughs> if I may say so myself.
0: Yeah, I think you can say that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's basically the gist is, as uh, technology advances, you're gonna be able to replace more complex tasks. Now that means more people essentially are gonna be replaced. Including like in the office place.
0: Mm. So I'm seeing a lot of negatives here. Uh, I've been given the explanation. Do you know what you can do for this?
1: I do. I'll tell you everything. Fantastic. I'll tell you everything. It's nothing like, you can't just say, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna automate. The problem with doing that is... Like, you know, let's say you're America. You are the country America. And you say, I'm not gonna do this, I don't want my people out of jobs. Alright, well well if not a country like China does, they automate this is gonna be they're gonna do wonders for their economy. The more better economy needs more money, more power money means more power and influence. Mm. You, you can't afford to um not do this because it's gonna weaken you. And you know you don't you need your country to be <laughs> on a slight hand you need your country to be strong, okay you need to protect protect your interests in my opinion, so, and even then if you lose if your economy is worse off that means people's worse off, people oh, are less prosperous, but I'm just thinking all right well if this happens I'm not gonna have a job. I'm not gonna
0: get any money. That is a worry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing yeah. my medical <laughs> career flash before my eyes,
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fear not, Stanin. You may oh, not be you. a doctor, but Mr. Andrew Yang has suggested he was a he was a running for president. Uh, no, he's running for late uh, the Democratic Party candidate. Right. Yeah, uh, I think in the last election he suggested oh, okay. UBI, Universal Basic Income. It's basically where. Because corporations save so much money on um, this uh, technology, you increase taxes because they're not paying wages anymore, so you increase the taxes instead, and then these taxes go back to people in the form of, uh, like, welfare, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, the money you would've got as a wage, you will instead get as a free income, and that means you no longer really have to work a job, you'll have time to really pursue what you want to do, really. Anything creative, I don't know. Play football, join a football team, become the next Ronaldinho or something. Record a podcast. And <laughs> run a podcast exactly. <laughs> just just do what you want to do, really. And you know, it would certain jobs is gonna take longer to automate. Like um stuff in social services, like uh you know caretaker, psychiatrist, stuff like that. That's gonna take longer to automate. And as such, the demand for those jobs is gonna go up. So people who do like, you know, work in care homes right now, they don't earn a lot of money. But uh, as this happens, there's gonna be more demand, so wages booming for them. And you know, I think that's a good thing, because I think, you know, work like that should be more highly valued than it is.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Um, I feel like the the jobs with a lot of human interaction, especially, um, they're gonna be the ones that aren't so affected by uh, automation. So yeah, yeah. Things, things, I think I don't see uh, a nurse being replaced by a robot anytime soon. Um, and you're right. I do see. In fact, right now I, I can see that the the effects of what um, more demand for a job can do. Um, as well, an aspiring medic, I guess, in in year thirteen, um, a lot of the figures I look at is about how many people apply each year, and I'm seeing it go up because. Um, during COVID, especially, it was brought to light. You know the advantage of having job security, and seeing you know teenagers about to join university, seeing their parents um, possibly struggling with money, things like that. Um, seeing the effects um, of of what it could mean when you lose your job. Um, they've been really thinking deep, um, long and hard about what sort of jobs give them the most security. Um, so I think COVID, um, in a short space of time, has brought that to light. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it hit the pretty, pretty interesting observation. I didn't really think about it myself, but yeah, I think mean, Co- <laughs> I think COVID has a to light. <laughs> <portalite. laughs> These, you know, just the importance and, you know, importance of doctors, really, in general.
0: Yeah, clap. This is where you clap. Boris, Boris would be, <laughs> let's not give them a raise. Just, just clap. That's, that's good enough.
1: I mean, it is it is a shame that it has to be so competitive to be a doctor, but, you know, you want
0: the best. Yeah, you can't really, can't expect to um, get lower sort of entrance requirements, because it's a pretty important job, I'd say, having, having possibly having the, the life of someone in your in your hands.
1: Yeah, but, you know, now that people, if people have more time, you can, I don't know, think about what is the meaning of life, uh, how do I want to live my life, you know, more important questions that I don't think people really take the time to think about.
0: Yeah, I, I can I see what what your point is because life uh, like average life I'd say for humans is get just getting more busy, getting more tough. I'd say, yeah, we've had improvements in things like healthcare, but overall, um, it's just more difficult. And a lot of the time that we spend is just consumed by jobs, consumed by what? by family, things like that. And uh, if if these schemes um, that might help people who have lost time in their jobs because of automation can really free up some time i think it would it would be good because when you look at history now um you're not like okay what what did that one guy who worked as a a fisherman in the 1860s do you're going to be talking about what scientists made big leaps and most of the big leaps have come about by them having a lot of free time to think about these things you know um just as an example um, it's quite a big tangent i've just realized but as an example <laughs> um i'll give you uh, faraday so kesh you don't take chemistry do you no, no, so, I've
1: heard the Faraday machine in some experiments.
0: Yeah, so he made the Faraday cage, but that's physics. I don't want to talk about Caged. physics. Physics is bad. Yeah, yeah. that's there's, there's is bad. my opinion on physics. It's bad. Except for quantum physics, it's cool. Quantum uh, yes, is cool. that's true, yes. Quantum cool. Normal, no. <laughs> so anyway, so in his dream, um, he thought about, um, uh, there's like a, a compound called benzene. Are, are you aware of benzene? Oh, uh,
1: is, that, is that some sort of anesthesia? <laughs>
0: Uh, It can be. It can be used, but um, it's basically just six carbons in a ring, forming a hexagonal uh, uh, shape. And the, the problem he was having is he knew that this compound that he was testing that he was experimenting with it. He knew it had six carbons, but he didn't know what the structure would be like. So in his dream, um, he actually thought about a snake eating its own tail, and he decided that maybe I should check if this ring structure would work with carbon and it's this seems like a really wild point to make but i'm serious a lot of these things that scientists have discovered it's not been when they suddenly get like a eureka moment you know just looking at some and at some numbers um just just answering the big questions with our free time it's quite important he got
1: a eureka moment in his dream
0: he, he did he, did. Of he did, indeed <laughs> who's the guy who got a eureka moment in the bath
1: Oh, oh! I know who you're talking about. I remember seeing that TED Ed video.
0: Uh, yes, I that, think this is physics might related have been though. We in the same class because I remember it from a TED Ed video as well. <laughs> that was a big I tangent. Say Einstein? Wow.
1: Was it Einstein? E equals mc squared. No, no, no. I think it was some ancient Greece. No, I don't think he was that in the
0: bathtub. No, no. I think it was something to do with gold crown.
1: Yes, yes, gold crown. that's what it was water yeah.
0: displacement. Yes, exactly. So it must be um, density, perhaps. Yeah, but I can't remember who that was. No, me neither. Alright, well, calculate the gradient of that tangent, that's... that's a a challenge. (laughs) Alright, well let me just reverse this,
1: Uh, that's the end of my section, really. Uh, It could be good or bad, to be honest, but I can tell you, I think we should move towards automation, and as a result of that, we should look to care for people who have lost jobs.
0: I agree. I, I agree completely. But I feel like um, that that second part of the sentence that you mentioned. I think that's possibly where the downfall may be. Don't know how well we can support those people. Hmm. <laughs> you gotta
1: you gotta hold your government to account. Okay. You have. Well, I was about to say because a lot when he's lost. Okay, here's another tangent. For yeah, you. Well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, socialist thinkers, Karl Marx, the people, the working class have the power because they have the labor. Well, they're not going to have the labor anymore. Oh, that I is mean, a what is statement.
0: It... Yeah, I, I see that. That is a
1: statement. I mean, does this just shift power to corporations?
0: Even more, may I and add.
1: Even more, exactly. If the people don't have the labor, what do they have as their form of power?
0: That's true. We, we might just become too expendable, you know? There might be... Obviously companies look to make money, that's the purpose of having companies, and it's like, do you really want this person? You need to pay them, need to listen to all their complaints, make sure they're comfortable, or do you get a robot that would ask no questions? It yeah, seems I mean, what, like
1: Would a government I mean government has a military, sure. Uh, you could I guess you could shut down the business, but I don't know, it's it's very different. It's that's all I can say. Exactly. A lot of yeah, I think it's very
0: difficult to, to try and we can speculate, but we, we can't know.
1: Yeah. I love speculating. <laughs>
0: no, yeah. Cash actually just knows, so if you're listening, make notes cause you can make billions off this in the future. Just don't don't exactly. enslave any robots, um, and get rid of workers, that's all I ask. Well if you
1: do take my ideas, uh, I do want like a like, what do you call it? Like a time- not a timestamp, a trademark.
0: Like, you have the Mickey Mouse. I yeah. want you to put, like, my face on any product you make. Yeah, maybe. Talking about Disney, actually, um, here's another tangent coming your way. Oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> I, I saw the news- so, obviously, everyone knows about the whole Mickey Mouse thing, you know, every 20 years or something, update it so they can keep the copyright. I think they're doing that with Buzz Lightyear now? Is that- am I right in saying that? Buzz I do not know. I'm not up
1: to date with. I the only thing I know about Buzz Lightyear is that there's that movie coming out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. I I think they're doing that to um extend the the time that they can keep the copyright for that.
1: Ah, come on. Just let, let other people play with it, mate.
0: Don't. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at, at, at when uh, Toy Story one was um released, and it looks in 1995. So, we actually are approaching that 25-year limit, so I think.
1: I thought it was, what's the thing that's like 75 or 100 years
0: expiry date? You know what I'm talking about? I I do know that there's different dates for copyright, yeah, but I I have a feeling that, at least for Mickey Mouse, it was 25 or 35, something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was interesting <laughs> from you. There's some pretty uh, you, deep questions you. that we have to answer when we talk about um, automation loss of jobs. Um, it seems very negative, but the thing is that only by being more aware about it can, can you do anything about it, you know? it's You'd rather know about it than um, pretend it wasn't there. So exactly, that's the first Anakash.
1: step. No problem. I hope the future Prime Minister is listening to this and takes <laughs> notes.
0: Yeah. You better be, whoever, whoever that is. Okay, so, um, it's back onto me now, um, and this is gonna be uh, a little section more orientated for people trying to do medicine. So, as you might've gathered by now, um, I am applying for medicine. In fact, I have applied to medicine. Um, I'm in year 13, so yeah, congratulations to me, I guess, for applying. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so this past week um i've applied to medicine and uh my fifth choice was genetics at leicester and um i've got a little card in front of me right now and it says uh, congratulations on your offer so i've got one Ooh. in the bag at least
1: amazing that's so, very exciting
0: yeah yeah but it's my fifth choice so um, Try not to yes, yeah. hope too much. But um, anyway, so in, in school, um, coming back to year 13, um, we've had our new batch of year 12s come in. And my form tutor was, was asking me, you know, do you have anything to say to them? And I thought about it, Kesh, and I was thinking, actually, mm-hmm. I, I do have a lot to tell them. And I was wondering what's the best way to tell them, so I decided to not tell them face to face and record a podcast instead. <laughs> so oh, beautiful. No, beautiful. I'm joking. I I did tell them uh, some bits there. Oh. But, um, I really like this section to to be like um, quite useful for younger years, um, specifically I'd say year twelve, but um, it'll be very useful for anyone younger to to listen in on what it's going to be like, you know, what the future might hold for you. So. Um, yeah, so I've already applied, so I'd like to think I know as much as you need to know about the application process, um, and uh, I'm approaching my interviews now, so um, this might be some good practice for talking about medicine. So there you go. Um, Ooh. Yeah, interviews kind of scary, but I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about interviews next. So... This week, since it's the first episode, I thought I'd just start with like an overview, an introduction to the whole process. Because um, I know when I was in year 12, I sort of thought, um, okay, maybe a personal statement and then click send. Unfortunately, as, as you know, Keshe, actually, um, it's not quite that simple. So Anakesh, you're, you're applying to university, aren't you, soon? I
1: am. I'm applying to computer science.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, carry on, sorry.
1: Yeah, uh, I gotta say, computer science, Birmingham, Sheffield, lovely places, but it is quite a lot. I have to say, it's quite a lot easier for me. I have a lot of less uh, hoops to jump through compared to medicine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's also something I will be touching upon. You know how how you as a uh, as a medical student will will differ in terms of work workload and and the hoops as Cash uh, said, you have to jump through. So. Um, Let's stop the waffle. Um, I'm a proper waffle maker today, aren't I? I do not expect this from myself. Anyway, um, so, yeah, prime waffle. So, introduction. So, I'm assuming um, you know that you have to do a personal statement, and this isn't specific to medicine, this is just how university works they have your grades um, once you do your A levels or your mocks in year 12 which will be your predicted grades they have that okay they know that you're at this level in terms of academics but they want to know more about you what do you do in your spare time what have you done in the past to show your interest you know what have you done to look into the course that you're applying to and if that's medicine you need to talk about that you need to talk about all the insight that you've developed into medicine Kesh, I hope you're taking notes here <laughs> oh my bad uh...
1: <laughs> so oh, I have the podcast I'll refer to this
0: you, that's a good point yeah so you need to talk about your insight into medicine and um, what I mean by that is what's it like to be a doctor um what sort of things do you have to do as a doctor what's what's the difference between a doctor and a nurse that's quite a common interview question and it's quite difficult to answer sometimes you know um they, they present you with your grades, they tell you, okay, you got an A-star, or whatever, and, and you've got this personal statement. So you, you claim to want to be in healthcare. Why do you not want to be a nurse? And to answer that question, you have to have done your research. Um, and you have to know, you know, what is the difference? What's healthcare about? what, How does the NHS work as well? You have to know a bit about the structure. This seems all very complicated, and it. I am piling it on. But um, I'm just telling you, um, because... In year 12, I sort of had an idea that personal statements talk about work experience. But this is a sort of key thing. It's not just about what you do. It's about what you've learned from it and as you progress through year 12 i'm sure there's going to be thousands of people that tell you this um you'll hear it again and again but it's true it really really is true um it's not about whether you've gone to bolivia to do some work experience you could have had a conversation with a gp your local gp just a fine call 15 minutes and you can learn more about medicine what it's like to be a doctor in those 15 minutes than if you had gone to bolivia um, so another thing that you need to talk about is the skills that you've developed. So throughout your your um sort of career before your career in medicine, um you need to be developing your skills because As soon as you enter university, you're going to start interacting with patients. Um, I've been looking at a lot of university websites recently, and they do make a point of saying, um, obviously you won't be completely in charge, but you will meet your first patient within two weeks of of joining university. Um, Yeah, that's quite scary to think about really, but I'd I'd like to think that I've developed my skills well enough. So you have to think about... Like your
1: first year, first two weeks though. Yes,
0: your first two weeks, you will meet your first patient. It's quite, quite uh, intense. I-, I must say. So sounds very exciting, though. It is exciting. That's exactly the point. So it's, it's, it's not. It shouldn't be a risk at that point. You know, you sh- you've done this person statement. You've done all these things. And your personal statement—it's quite reassuring to yourself, really. Like, I have done this this stuff. I've got a lot of things behind me. I think I'm prepared. That's ultimately what it's about—convincing um, them, but also convincing yourself. Because I know in year 12 you're gonna have a lot of doubts. You know, am I good enough? Um, uh, do I have this? Do I have that? Um, but I'd say just just stick to what you're doing, um, and you should have enough. So just to quickly get onto what skills, um, I'd say. Communication um, was a key one for me. I did talk about communication a lot. Um, I have a feeling this podcast is doing wonders for that because there is a large amount of waffle in here. <laughs> but,
1: um... It's just, a, you know, follow the conversation, see where it takes you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so communication, um, empathy as well. That's a big, big part of, of healthcare in general, whether you're doing um, vet or, or dentistry. Um, empathy compassion that's that's um, not a skill Um, that's what you call an attribute so you're sort of uh, not born with it but it's just something you have innately you know and um, you have to find ways of um, sort of proving to the person reading your statement that you you do possess these qualities Um, and another thing would be problem solving Um, as a doctor you can be continually solving problems because every patient They come with with problems and you need to use your knowledge, um, use their symptoms and coherently form a response. Um, So a lot of of problem solving. Uh, Teamwork as well. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's quite a few people in the NHS. Surprisingly, it's not just two <laughs> doctors. There's quite a lot and you need to work with all of them. Um, in my work experience um, at an oncology centre, which is um, a centre for cancer, Kesh, if, if you weren't aware what oncology well, means, um, I was able to listen in on an MDT. Do you know what an MDT is, Keshe?
1: Uh, Mike Danger Time. That that's <laughs> the first three words. That's, uh, that's no, quite close. It, it
0: <laughs> actually means multidisciplinary team. Uh, so, very, close, very close. Very close. Yeah, nearly there. Next time. So it's it's uh, surgeons, radiologists, all sort of um, specialities of doctors. They get together and they talk through every patient that they're going to treat in the next week, and they talk about it in detail. They they look at the symptoms, and they discuss, and for that you really need good communication and good teamwork. So those are sort of the skills that you need to um, include in your personal statement. Um, and moving away from sort of the academic um side of things um they do want to know what you're like as a person um despite every medical school now wanting interviews um you need to cross the first hurdle um and prove to them that you're not this robot that just sits there and uh, does work 24 7 because that's not what they want as a doctor um, they do want a bit more so extracurricular stuff you know um any sports you've done anything anything at all that um, is not academic they want to know about that um, and also, um, I'll point, point this out now, um, wider reading. Um, that's a phrase you won't hear until a bit closer to Year 13, but I want to make you aware that you probably would get a head start by getting caught up on some wide reading now. I, I know you, um, Anikesh, um, you, you are planning on doing some some MOOCs, um, courses, things like that in preparation for your course, is that right?
1: Yeah, it was... Uh, I, was I don't think it was MOOC, but it was like an online course introduction to computer science course i think it is good because it shows you know i'm interested i have taken this extra step to do it and i am a little bit more knowledgeable
0: in the area exactly that uh, those are exactly the points that um writing about what reading in your personal statement does so it shows your interest um it shows that you've gone that extra step to to learn a bit more um it's just all the the little things that show that you're um, a really top candidate so um sorry i've really really piled on the um (laughs) the things that you might have to get on with um so it It seems kind of overwhelming yeah. yeah yeah but this is the thing with medicine it's quite a lot of work and um you have to realize that um when you see your your classmates there will be people that just don't seem to be um air quotes um you can't see me but i'm doing air quotes uh, don't seem to be doing as much um it, it's the nature of medicine and it's the nature of the career it's just quite a lot of hoops to get through um so don't worry about it too much um just be aware of it that's that's all this introduction is going on about and like i said every point i've made now and that i will make um, in the le- next few minutes um I will be doing uh, uh, this segment again for the coming weeks um, on this podcast, so I will have a section on just the personal statement where I go a bit more in in, in depth on what you need to include, um, things about work experience, how to find work experience. Um, I will try to um, guide you through the process, sort of. Um, So we'll move on to the next bit. So that was a bit about personal statement and what, what medical schools really want from you. Um so an, another another thing that you have to do is entrance exams. Um unfortunately for pretty much every medical school you will have to do at least one entrance exam. Um I know you cash have, have seen me waffle about these two tests in the past. Um so one of them oh. is yeah <laughs> it's is quite a lot you know you, you you're thinking about going into your 13 you have your A levels and they want this A star and A and then they tell you that's cool, but you've got to do another entrance exam. So anyway, um, <laughs> one of them is called the UCAT, um, and that is the most common exam that you have to do um, in order to get into medical school in the UK. Um, I'd say the majority apart from, I think it's about eight universities. Um, so doing the UCAT really puts you in a good position for med school, medical school um, as a undergraduate. Um, And the second test I was talking about is the BMAT now the BMAT some some people that are looking at Oxbridge um, and such already They might be aware of what that is. So um, Cambridge and Oxford as usual um, want to be different and They want you to do the BMAT, which is uh, another test Um, And also a lot of uh, London universities so the UCAT um, it's basically um, I know a lot of you might have done the 11-plus if, um, if you've got into a competitive secondary school. So it's quite similar to the 11-plus, which uh, is a test of problem-solving. Again, um, a little bit about uh, literacy, um, quite a bit about maths and science. And there's also a, a pretty funky section called the SJT. Have you heard of the SJT before? Mm, can't say I have to be honest, no, and I wouldn't expect you to because you're not doing medicine. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's uh called the SJT, the Situational Judgment Test. So, this is going to be new for a lot of people. You've done maths, you've problem solved before, but this is going to be something quite quite different. Um, and you're going to have to know about medicine and being a doctor, you have to know about um medical ethics um, things like that so um, for example I'll just hit you with um, a question that popped into my head they might give you a question about um, a child comes up to you uh, in the clinic and he demands that he needs some treatment okay so the, the, the oh. uh, options I, I have to tell you it's a multiple choice test so the options might be um, you have to tell them that uh, you will hand them over the medication immediately and the options would be very appropriate appropriate uh, appropriate but not ideal and very inappropriate so i think all of you can guess what the answer to that one is and it is quite i think that's very inappropriate that would be very inappropriate I'll, I'll, option d straight to the bottom but um yeah it's going to be questions like that uh, and again i'll i'll do a, an episode on Uh, Sorry, a segment on on the SJT and the UCAT. Um, And the BMAT is basically the same, uh, but they have a bit more emphasis on um, the science and the maths aspect of this. Um, And also they have an an, an additional funky section. They all have to have one, don't they? One funky section on an essay. Um, Big scary word. And I know if you're doing medicine, you've probably taken two sciences and maths. And so you've probably not done English for at least two years don't worry um the essay is very short 550 words um i'm assuming Anakesh behind the mic is smiling right now because he takes politics <laughs> this is the norm right. every every week at least an essay but for us puny medical students is going to be quite quite the unique experience um i
1: can't imagine how many pages do you think 550 words is like, if you write it out
0: i think it's or one a4 it. one one side of an a4 page oh come on guys yeah. come on <laughs> uh in school <laughs> i've seen kes typing away furiously on his laptop and he's just casually whipping out like a 13 page essay on um, <laughs> boris johnson and his routine at home or something i don't know but anyway so there, there is an essay um, in section three of the b map so um the next step after that would be uh, interviews so um You get the grades from your year 12 mocks. You send that off to university. You've got your personal statement ready. You send that off to your um, specified universities. And again, I'll go through how to pick your universities as well. So listen out for that. Um, And uh, the next step would be they tell you, okay, we we like what we see so far. Um, Would you mind coming in for an interview so you can sort of step through the last hurdle before we give you an offer? Um, and for me at least that idea was quite quite worrying you know interviews generally just quite a scary thing and i feel like a lot of people agree with me on that um but uh, i've over summer i actually did a few interviews some some mock interviews but i was still definitely nervous about them um i did both an mmi which you'll come to realize um the meaning of soon but it basically means multiple mini interviews so you, you speak to usually just one person um, for like two minutes uh, and you're done. And then you move on to the next person along and they'll be talking about something else. They'll be asking you to talk about different things. Two minutes and then you move on again. So lots of little mini interviews and they collate all the information they've, they've got on you and um, use that to work out if they should uh, give you an offer or not. And the other more traditional method that most people know about is the panel interview. So you're alone um, on one side of the table, uh, three to five people on the other side and they just ask you questions, similar sort of thing, they're just two different ways that universities go about it. So I've done both now and I can say actually it's not as um, terrifying an experience as I thought it would be. I know sitting on this end, it's quite easy to say, don't be worried about it, but uh, don't be worried about it. Because um, you've <laughs> you will have prepared well enough for <laughs> that. Um, and in, in terms of being nervous uh, and people that are a bit worried to speak to strangers and talk about, you know, it's quite hard to, to blow your own trumpet for that long, you know. Um, so in, in that case, I'd say the panel, they've done this before, you know, it's your first interview with them and it's probably their thousand, you know. They've seen people like you come and go every day. Um, so they know you'll be nervous. Um, they know what you um, what you might struggle with and they'll give you the time to cope with that. So don't worry, they're, they're, they are on your side. They, it does feel more comfortable than I thought it would be. It's not like an interrogation that you see um, on TV, you know. It's not like slamming on the table, demanding to know why you want to be a doctor. Um, so that's the last step before getting your offer and once you've crossed that hurdle, um, all you have to do is um, get extremely, extremely good grades in your A-levels. Um, very, <laughs> very small thing to ask. So, yeah, for, for most medical universities, they expect a minimum of triple A. Um, one step above that would be A-star AA. Uh, and obviously the, the top universities in terms of academics, not necessarily student um, uh, satisfaction, but uh, Cambridge, Oxford and the like, they would expect two A-stars and an A. Um, And that's with three A-levels. So it's not even necessary to do four A-levels for medicine. Um, Chemistry is pretty much a must. Biology is very, very useful. I can't imagine there's um, many universities that would um, look upon you too fondly if you haven't done biology. But I do know there's some universities across the globe that um, don't mind. But I'd say definitely get biology, definitely get chemistry. Um, and your third can either be a science or, or anything you want. As long as you get um, a decent grade, um, they don't really mind, um, as long as you're so not... You, so you wouldn't need, like, maths?
1: Like, uh, that's not necessary.
0: No, no, it's not necessary. Um, I took maths, so my subjects were chemistry, biology, and maths, um, just because I felt like you know they were pretty strong subjects in general. Um, I didn't really see myself doing much else, but you you can happily take drama, take history, take politics, for example, um, anything. Uh... Um, and as long as you get um, the grade that they want from you in that, you're, you're good to go. So that would be the last hurdle in June, July when you do your A-level exams in year 13. And once you get your results in August, um, you will know if you are going to be a doctor or not. So that was, um, I'd like to say brief, but not really. Um, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say detailed introduction um into what I'll be I covering.
1: Say, yeah, this podcast has probably gone on, like twice as long as we were expecting or planning to at least. <laughs> yeah, we, we
0: yeah, we've been working on this for a while. You know, we we weren't sure, you know, how we'd structure this, um, and we made a um, a brief draft. um I'm assuming Kesh has got it up on on his computer as well. Yeah, we're, we're looking at an, an outline of what we need to the, the points we need to hit, and we were looking at that and we'd say, oh, easy, thirty minutes, easy. And I'm looking okay. at the time now and it says one hour 21 (laughs) so let's let's hope we're not boring too many people so yeah that's that's my introduction to medicine um again like to say brief but detailed
1: okay i never say towards the end i just uh, i spaced out with just fear and dread yeah i'm just wondering i know it's not that it's it's, i'm wondering Do am i gonna go through this and shave completely tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) 'Cause it's gonna be November. Oh First of yes. November. Yeah,
0: we're recording this um Halloween night, aren't we? Um uh, no one's I know, uh, on... Halloween's
1: tomorrow, right? Isn't it?
0: Is it? What day is it today?
1: Today's the thirtieth. It is Saturday.
0: Oh it's is Saturday there not... I thought it was Yeah. Right. Well that would explain why no one knocked on, on my door to ask for um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. so that's Just my call bit done. and uh, yeah. Now, if you're happy to, Kesh, um, we will move on to uh, what will be the final segment of this this podcast this week, um, which will be a quiz. So we've both Ooh. talked about um, subjects that we like to think we're fairly knowledgeable about, and we're now gonna <laughs> ask our, our um, opposing side um, a little bit about our own subject. So how do you feel, Kesh, going into this? You feel confident? I'm
1: I'm very confident. very confident, I think I know everything there is.
0: Okay, okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I can't imagine I know too much about um, what you might ask me about either, but um, those listening at home, um, I'd encourage you to try and work out what the answer is as well, you know? <laughs> Play along. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the quiz so get your pen and your paper out and uh, try and follow along to the nonsense questions we will be providing you with this week okay so anakesh we have mm-hmm, question yes. number one do you know what the scientific name of COVID 19 is which isn't COVID 19 by the way i think i should probably find that COVID-19. out
1: right i know uh it's a coronavirus it is a coronavirus uh, yes that's one part of actually the name. i think this one this one I'm pretty confident, it's like SARS-CoV. Uh-huh. uh There's just one more else. bit. SARS-CoV. Yeah, SARS-CoV-2, that's what it yes. was. Yes.
0: Exactly, yeah. Dude. So, <laughs> SARS-CoV-2, it, and that stands for Severe it. Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. Right, nice. What that is 1?
1: Was... What is SARS-CoV-1? <laughs> um,
0: That's a good question, Um, I believe that because coronavirus is a generic name, um, it just talks about um, which sort of strain it is. So um, it looks like, uh, I've just typed it in, so Cov1 was a coronavirus uh, outbreak in 2002-2004, to so there you go. So we have had an outbreak of that, but that was very small, I think, not not, uh, a pandemic. That was a good question, Kesh. Nice. That was a very good question. <laughs> okay, so question number two. What is an otoscope used for?
1: Uh,
0: am
1: gonna be honest, I don't know, but I feel like it's uh, something you'd put into someone.
0: That is true, yes. Um, that's quite quite... Quite a good guess. It's to look inside an ear. So if you've ever had a doctor, GP, check your temperature, look at something in your ear, they'd have used an otoscope. Wow. And uh, moving on to question number three. Have you heard of the Zika virus? I have. I have. (laughs) That's not the question, by the way. Um, The (laughs) the question is, uh, (laughs) what carries the Zika virus?
1: What carries it? Like, what transmits it?
0: What transmits the Zika virus?
1: I'd imagine it would be mosquitoes, probably.
0: Yep, that's exactly the answer. Um, So, (laughs) mosquitoes, nasty little buggers. Um, Not only do they transmit Zika, but um, do you know... This is an extra question, I guess. Um, Do you know what other uh, diseases they they transmit?
1: Ooh, ooh, malaria. Exactly,
0: yeah. So, those two pretty big... uh, Quite dangerous diseases, really. Um, yeah, and mosquitoes carry that. Um, question four now um, How many NHS values are there? I have a question for you. What is an NHS value? <laughs> I, I thought that might be the question you're going to ask me. So the <laughs> NHS, they have um, a set of, of values that they like to abide by, and they were made by the uh, original group of people that decided to establish the NHS, and they decided that there should be some rules. Um, I guess you could call them sort of uh, morals, commandments, if you will, um, on how the NHS should be run and, and what doctors and healthcare professionals have to do there. So do you have an, any oh. idea how many there are? So it's like the it's like the Hippocratic oath. Yeah, it's a bit of an oath, yeah. It's it's just a, a guideline of, of what the NHS is all about.
1: Well, I probably couldn't tell you how many values. I do vaguely remember something like this coming up in history, because we looked at medicine in history.
0: Ah yes. <laughs> but
1: yeah. I could I couldn't tell you how many values. I'm going to guess a solid three values. <laughs> I think three hits it's enough areas.
0: Unfortunately not. I can see why you'd have gone for three. A nice Oh, well, not round number, but it's a triangle number. It's nice, you know. One, a two, three. A strong number. Very strong. But it's quite awkward, actually. It's seven. Seven values.
1: <laughs> isn't that the unlucky number, seven? is that eleven? I thought that was thirteen, isn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, is seven the good number? The, this, this, this is isn't seven good a good number. good number? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I know six, six, six is generally a bad number. Thirteen's a, a unlucky number, supposedly. But I don't I, yeah, I we'll know. seven. will get much back to you seven. next time
1: we'll get back to you next time about seven. Yeah, I'll do a full we'll, character profile we'll do some on the number seven. We'll do some
0: intense research on that. Um, yeah, so, so seven values, and um, just to make a point of why we need to know that, you might be surprised, you know? Um, but, like I said, insight into medicine, knowing about the NHS values, um, pretty important actually. They could quiz you on that in interviews, so later on I will tell you what those seven are. Or, in fact, you could do some research yourself. Um, pop it on your personal statement eventually <laughs> so <laughs> question five do you know how long it takes to become a nurse
1: well I think uh, being a doctor it takes you seven years including the two years practical experience
0: yes uh, I'd that say, might uh... be
1: wrong so I feel like a nurse has to be related to that so. I'm only guess five years.
0: Very close. Um, so when you said seven years, actually it's five years in university, yes, which includes um, a lot of clinical work. Um, and when you specialise, that might increase to seven, eight, ten, or twelve. Or um, if you, I think neurosurgery is the longest one. And you might end up realising that after your A-levels, it's been 14 years or something like that (laughs) until you actually become qualified to be a neurosurgeon. So So quite long for doctors. But for nurse, um, without any specialty training, um, it's going to be four years. So the course that you do in university would be four years. And um, that is my half of the questions. I think I'm going to hand over to you now, Keshe, to... um, Probably convinced me to tell you the wrong answer. <laughs> all right, yeah. All
1: these questions is gonna be done in such a way so that Danny gets zero correct answers. That's <laughs>
0: that's how I'm planning it get in my head. Yes, yeah. That's not quite. I was I was a lot nicer cash to you. Let's, <laughs> yeah. I'm, let's have that on record. Let's go.
1: Okay. So, uh, question six. It is quite a specific number, so I just want you to give me a good ballpark. Uh, how <laughs> okay, many is Israelis? <laughs> how many israelis and palestinians died in the 2021 israel palestine crisis right but i'm looking for a you know how many israelis died and how many palestinians died you know oh,
0: you want each uh, okay um, yes yes i thought you wanted the uh, total count okay um well i know that there definitely was more palestinian deaths um i'm not quite sure how much that is Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, okay, let's say um, 500 Palestinian deaths, uh, 100 Israeli deaths. I'm going with that Mm, one.
1: Okay. Your Palestinian death count was close, Uh, your answer is roughly 300. Okay, okay. Of which um, the figures are contested. Uh, what percent of them were terrorists and militants? Of course. Um, I think Hamas quoted about 80 of them were militants, and uh, IDF said something like 200. So you're right, looking you said at either, 200. You're I'm looking,
0: assuming that's not percentage.
1: Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, deaths. So you're looking at either half or more Palestinian deaths for civilians. Wow. And the is Israeli okay. counts. I yeah. Israeli count I think you said a hundred?
0: Yes, I did hundred. Uh, it was thirteen Israeli deaths. Oh wow. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow, they really really piled it on the Palestinians, didn't they? Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's really because of uh, you know, the iron dome, it's the, what they yes. use to protect themselves from a lot of rocket strikes. Yeah, That's I, I quite have a seen lit. some
0: videos on that, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's quite, you know, a big factor in why they you know what the, you know, not many people died there. Of course, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, you know, next question. Okay.
0: How much is Amazon worth? Oh, okay. Um, I, well, I think I know this one, actually. Um, I think it's, uh, 1.5 trillion now? Dollars? US dollars?
1: You know what, that's, I think that's close enough. I like that. It's, okay. uh... Latest value got was around, like, $1.68 trillion. So yeah, That's a close. lot of
0: cash. A lot of cash. Oh, well, I'll spell close. I'll take that.
1: There's quite a lot. Bonus question. Oh. What global, Of global companies, where do you think Amazon ranks? And, uh, like, total value. I
0: ah, don't um, <laughs> I don't really... Well, I know in terms of, like, the people that own them, yeah, Elon Musk and... Uh, the other guy, Bezos, they <laughs> Bezos typing it out at, uh, at the top, but I, maybe there's some other companies? I don't know. I'm just gonna guess, uh maybe, um, do you want a specific number or like top what?
1: Like t- in the top 10,
0: where do you think they are in? Okay, well you've given me a clue there. Um I'm gonna yeah, say, yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say one.
1: This one. might be completely... Okay, I, I can tell you that's the wrong answer. <laughs>
0: they are fifth, they're fifth. If. Okay. Yeah, you they know, are the beaten... By companies? Because I thought Amazon was...
1: Yeah. Amazon is quite big. Uh, number four is Saudi Aramco. Oh, it is an oil yes. and gas Yeah, I know production. Aramco. We watch Formula yeah,
0: One. is yeah. um, sort of into it as well now. We've convinced him to come over to even? the dark side. Aramco <laughs> sponsors, <laughs> I think, every Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, Every? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know right
1: Aramco. Number three is Alphabet Inc. They, of course, you know, on Google. That's yeah. how they... That's how they got the whole shebang. Number two is, uh, you know, Microsoft, yep. and number one is Apple, actually.
0: Apple? Ah, oh, that completely oh, slipped my yeah. mind. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't think Apple was number one, but there you go. $2.4 trillion valuation.
0: Wow. I, did, I, I assumed it would be $1.9 trillion or something. That's a lot. Well, with the grand phones that they, they sell, no wonder, the profit margins must <laughs> <Yeah>. be...
1: <laughs> Through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, on to the next question. Sure. What do you think the average salary of a machine learning engineer is? A machine Ooh. learning engineer.
0: So, um, when you say that, do you mean the engineers that um, work on AI systems? Is that what you mean? Yes, yes. Right. These are
1: sort of, you know, computer science people. Right. Who specialize in machine learning.
0: Right, so I don't know the answer, so I'll, I'll give you my thought process instead. I'll say the average um for, like engineers and, and things would be fairly high. Um, and then on top of that, I'd say machine learning, fairly new field um, and quite um, a, a challenging one, I'm assuming as well, because there's not too much information. They are probably the leading pioneers, if I may, of, of machine learning. Would that be fair to say? Quite. I think that's a very <laughs> astute observation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and here comes the complete wrong answer. I'm going to say... Um, uh, £70,000 £70, um, a year.
1: Mm, nah,
0: I think that's a bit too far from oh. what I have here. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: got £52,000. Okay, so.
0: that's still not bad. Well, that's above the average. That's a lot above the, the average.
1: average. Certainly, quite a bit. Yeah. But, that's, you know. I'll move on to the next question. Number nine, what is Facebook changing its name to?
0: So, this is the first question I'm actually completely confident on. Um, it's Meta. Wow, that is the correct answer. Yes. Yes. Probably to
1: sort of disassociate themselves from the negative press they got, honestly.
0: Well, it hasn't helped, because I know that Meta's just Facebook.
1: Yeah, it's just weird. Also, fun fact, you probably didn't know. Meta in Hebrew means dead, so... Oh, really? (laughs) Oh. Has not translated great internationally.
0: No, no. Well, it hasn't translated gen- like well in general, I'd say, because the news line yeah. wouldn't be new company called Meta; it would be Facebook's changed its name to Meta, to deny that it's actually Facebook, which is generally <laughs> not got a good image on 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 media. Bit of
1: an identity crisis there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Number ten question. This is a bit of a curveball.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But I think you would know the answer to this, really? or oh, you you definitely know what I'm talking about. Yes. Right. What is the most major? eco terrorist attack that oh. has ever happened <laughs> okay. the most significant and most major <laughs> eco terrorist attack
0: all oh, right right okay so um uh, a thing I have to tell you that Kesh does quite often is um, really fixate on one specific thing he'd like to research. Um, this probably lasts for a couple months at a time, would, would that be fair to say? Um, <laughs> oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, maybe a few weeks. Yeah, a few weeks, yeah, a few a few weeks to research oh. something in particular. So recently he's been talking about um, eco-terrorism, um, uh, and he did tell me, I have a feeling it's probably um, the one where someone... Uh, is it, I can't remember if it was a, a bombing of some sort uh, into a nuclear plant, I think? Yes, yes, but you're on the right
1: line. So the Super Phoenix nuclear plant, uh, I believe it's in France or Switzerland. Right. In, when it was in construction in the 80s or 70s, um, there was one man who uh, feared its construction on the basis that it would... Uh, well, he thought the physics behind it was unstable, I think he might have been a physicist. Right. And he thought this plant is not gonna work, it's gonna like, be a Chernobyl for the situation. Yes,
0: yeah, I can see how that would be quite, quite bad, yeah.
1: Yeah, so during its construction, he took an RPG and shot five rockets at the nuclear plant. It was, people were off break, so there was no one there, I don't think. But yeah, he shot five rockets, I think only two. Actually, two or three blew up, and they hit like the, where the core would be, but they wow. hadn't put in the nuclear core at the time.
0: Oh, okay. That's like yeah. Shell. I feel like that would be quite big news if, if that. Yeah, I'm just surprised. Look, I, I remember Kesh telling me about this, and it was honestly very surprising to hear that it wasn't um, more of a big deal. I assumed he was um, waffling, to be honest. Um, but he, <laughs> he showed me the he showed me the proof, showed me the sources. Um, and the Wikipedia, with... yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we looked at the sources under Wikipedia. Um, and It, yeah, looks like it really did happen. Um, And quite a a major eco-terrorist attack as well, really, I'd say. Um, RPGs and um, nuclear power plants don't tend to to go go well together.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, the man, I think it was, the story was like, he hadn't, no one knew who had done it. And then I think 5 or 10 years ago, a leading, sort of, a very popular Green Party politician uh, claimed responsibility for it and ah. said that. He said he got the RPG from like a Belgian terrorist organization or something. Right. So yeah, the I don't think he's gone to jail for it, and I'm pretty sure he's still a practicing like politician and like Green Party economics or politics in, in I want to say, Switzerland or France.
0: That is very, very weird. Uh, I don't understand it's how a... that's happened. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I would like to thank you for um only the most relevant news questions um, on of planet course. Earth, and there's there's just one person listening now who happened to stumble across that random Wikipedia page, and he is he is having the time of his life, isn't he? <laughs> it is it's a very deep dive. It is a very you know, deep dive. It's I recommend it myself.
1: All right, you know, eco-terrorism. Don't yeah. don't do terrorism. No, if you care about yeah. the environment, pick up some
0: trash. Yes, uh, absolutely. Lobby your government. Um, well, um, yeah. I've always been one to sort of just follow the government, really. Um, I haven't ever thought about whether they might be lying or not, but um, watching the thick of it, that has changed my perspective, definitely. Hmm. So, um, can we just look at the total? So how many did I actually get right? Was it one? Uh, Let's see. You got...
1: I'll give you half a mark for the, the Israeli question because right. you got know, the Palestinian that's quite close. Okay, right. Uh, Amazon worth, yes, yeah, close enough, so that's two. Yeah. Machine learning, I wasn't happy with the answer, but you didn't get the <laughs> Facebook and the. So actually, four out of five, yeah. It oh, was wow, everything okay. but the salary. That,
0: yeah, I did better than that than I thought. And uh, um, you, Cash, you got the right name of COVID 19. Yeah. Um, you didn't know what an otoscope was, um, but you did know. Uh, what transmits the Zika virus? So that's two. Um, you didn't get the NHS values, if I remember correctly. You said three, and it was three? seven. Yeah. So seven um, still, still on two. Um, and how long does it take to come on us? You, you said five, and it was four. So I'll give you that. That was that was fairly close.
1: Yeah, let's go.
0: <laughs> so are we, we going to do this as a sort of championship? Do, you, do we do we want to keep this going, tally up, or are we going to keep each each quiz separate?
1: If we make it a championship, I guarantee you, each week the questions will come more and more tougher. Should we do and that? until we get to the most yeah I, I that see. episode
0: I vote, we just go for it. Yeah, let's find some yeah. pretty difficult questions, you know, um, and just uh, teach people more about random um, but interesting facts. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I want to say probably prediction. My deep dive uh, topic is going to be the number seven.
0: For next um, next next episode, yes, right, Yeah. So anyone listening, there you go. Um, the number seven is very interesting, and um, there's a lot of connotations. There's a lot of evidence um, research uh, done into yeah. the number exactly. seven,
1: history, cultural significance. It's all there.
0: It's, it is all there, um, and I think that's yeah. On on that quite weird note, I must say um, we'll we'll leave it there for this week's episode. Um, thank you very much Anakesh for the brilliant topic um, that you researched, which was job automation um, and the pretty spicy questions you provided me. Um, thank you for the waffle <laughs> and um, probably a lot of my waffle as well. Big tangents. Anyone that can find the gradient of the tangent will be rewarded. Um, There's so, um, Use I'll,
1: differentiation. I'll let... Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah find the derivative etc etc so um coming back to you the listener um thank you very much for coping with our waffle for the last hour or so um you'll see us the same time for the next episode with similar segments um and i'll be going over some more things to do with medicine anakesh um will be talking a bit more about um either politics or computing um or the number seven
1: Yes, the number seven. and the
0: number seven of course we mustn't forget um and uh i think that's it i think we'll stop the waffle there we'll um see you next time yeah take care everybody thank you see you next time